You can kick your fancy ales. You can drink them by the flagon. But the only food for the brave and comes from the green dragon. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Green Dragon Podcast. I'm your host, Matt, and I have here with me today, Jeremy. Hello, Matt. Hello, Jeremy, and Kylie. Hello, hello. And of course, Harry from Entmoot has come back. Oh, thank you. Hello, hello, everyone. And uh, he's back here today with a challenge for us. He's got some lists, and he's going to get us to take a look at them. Tell us a bit more about this, Harry. Okay, so um, a couple of the, well, the last episode of the Entmoot podcast, my sort of tournament tales uh, podcast I do, um, I uh, had went to a tournament, a very themed tournament. The idea is, you know, you take uncompetitive lists or that are built around a theme. And I, uh, with my partner Michael, we took the nine Nazgul all on horses, all with a point of might each. But generally, we, we thought, oh, this is going to be rubbish. Uh, it didn't do very uh, good because we maybe we didn't know how to play the army particularly well. And then when, uh, Jeremy, you messaged me uh, after you'd heard the uh, podcast and was like, oh, yeah, you should have done this, you should have done that and the other. And I was thinking, this it gave me this idea. I thought, well, you guys, uh, you, you have... Uh, you're kind of used seem to be used to running unusual lists and coming up with tactics and everything for them so i thought here's here's the thing you i want you to kind of ruin uh, thematic gaming for me by making it ultra competitive and giving me some fun <laughs> tactics or some ways i guess of using these thematic lists i've come up with in the hope to actually win rather than just enjoying the theme uh, and having a bit of a laugh with them so so the the challenge is make my fluffy lists filthy Oh, I like it. I like it. Yeah, this sounds like the perfect challenge for uh, for the Green Dragon podcast. So I, I reckon we'll just get cracking straight into this and just look at this first list that you've given us, which I know Kylie is going to love. We've got the Nine, the Nazgul, the Black Riders. Uh, Jeremy, could you describe this list for us, please? I can. I have been studying that episode of Entmood, and I have memorized this list absolutely. We start off with the Witch King with the options of a horse, some might two points in fact three additional points of will now on the episode it said just three points of will which scared me a little bit but you've got the base <laughs> 10 plus extra three yeah three points of fate so full fate witch king and a morgul blade as well so a bit of kid on the witch king leading a mm -hmm. bunch of ring wraiths these are all pretty close to being identical although there is a little point a few points of difference each time so we've got first one has a horse two extra points of might three extra points of will and two extra points of fate. So additional two, three, two, making it two, ten, two. We have another one with a horse and a point of might and three will. So that's a one, ten, zero. We have another one with the same item. So one, ten, zero. And then on the force two, so this is a two, two player force with 400 points each, I believe, if I listen to the episode correctly. Yes, that's the idea. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, I'm good at studying. We have a ring wraith on horse, surprisingly, with a might and two will extra. So one, nine, zero. Another one with 190, another one with 190, another one with 190, and the final one, 190. 190. That's all. That's all. Okay. So firstly, Harry, I would like to commend you on the theme for this army because it is, this is, I think, one of the most enjoyable thematic armies to play with because it, it is the Lord of the Rings. If the nine ring sliding along, everyone who sees this knows exactly what we're playing. So this gets a thumbs up for me straight away because it is Lord of the Rings. 
Yeah, and, and the that was exactly why uh, we came up with this. Um, I, I sort of came, well, I say we, it was actually really my idea. Um, I'll take all the credit uh, for Michael, my uh, doubles partner. The scene is so iconic, especially in the film, where they get swept down the river. And I really wanted to build the board. So I have a display board. Uh, and I painted up Arwen uh, with Frodo, uh, especially for it. And yeah, no, it was just it was just a great force. And then so it was kind of that the idea came first, and then the list came second. So it might not be perfect. And then of course there's the awkwardness of having to fit it into two four hundred point armies, which is why you get this sort of weird situation where you got some with extra will and things like that. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued because if you listen to the episode, we won one out of seven games. So I'm intrigued to see what what you would do because. It was quite tough to to play with, we thought. Absolutely, it is. Now, first thing I'll do, and Kylie's going to have even better advice here, but first thing I'm looking at is maximizing the might if possible. So I would probably, if you're able to, take one of the named ring rates in addition to the Witch King, so one of the, mm. the Black Riders for some abilities. We'll talk about which one later. But if we have spare points, I would actually prioritize the might over the will even because the might lets you do the movement it lets you call heroic combats on, on every single model and if you really need to get a spell off it's very helpful for, for that so I know that you've gone a bit risky without the fate but I would even flip it around as well so those five ring rafes you've got in the back force I would have them all at, at two eight zero. I know that, that they're very light on but they've got some options there and they, they're really hard to, to get rid of if they want to go and fight or they want to, to run away fight or flight so that that would be my first thing that i'll do just to to smooth it out a bit because then you've got lots more options mm, interesting interesting yeah because that was one of the things a lot of people were saying oh i'm surprised you've got no fate and i i sort of halfway through the second day i thought oh maybe i should have taken a point of will off at almost everyone and given everyone a point of fate and a point of might but that's an interesting thought that you'd go with the might because I, I i'd worry that that with what was it a seven or eight what eight will that you wouldn't really have as much to do, you know, the black darts and things like that. And you'd be sort of getting a little ropey in terms of the, the how long those ring races are going to stay on the table. But that's, yeah, if you I use them, I suppose, primarily for combat, then it might be different. Well, you don't. You, you've got, you're primarily a, an avoidance army. So what you're doing is using, the only resource you've got that doesn't cost you anything is your horse. Your horse, you're using the whole game as long as you want to. So you're moving at 10 inches the entire game, constantly going sidewards, backwards, forwards, looking for the optimal time of, of using it and playing a many-turn game, which is, which is something that I'm not sure that a lot of playing groups do, where basically you, you, you wait for something to happen. So if, if for example, my opponent called a, a resolve, I would be happy just to move backwards for the whole turn with this whole army, and I wouldn't even bother, because you can move it so quickly. You can do a turn in, in two minutes. So you just, mm. just move them back. Uh, the black darts, I'm throwing them. When I'm throwing them, I'm choosing one target, so usually the leader, and I'm going to throw one dice from every model. So just, just the one single die, don't worry about that. If something will go through, and if it does, they'll resist the first few, and then eventually it will, it will come off. So you've got to be really conservative. Lots of one-die spells are the order of the day, and only when it's really necessary. And don't be afraid to use things like the, the compel to drag someone forward, throw in quite a few ring wraiths, a point of might to heroic combat, just to keep moving even, mm. and just play this game where the opponent doesn't think they can do anything about your army, so they can't engage. Um, if they shoot you out, they shoot you out. That's not a big deal, but you're basically playing this absolute annoyance avoidance army and and one that you can't pin them down. So don't don't enter into combat that you're not going to win. Don't go and take on something if you don't have to. You can assassinate with those spells pretty comfortably, but you've got to be prepared to do it over multiple turns. So the first turn might be just to peel off some of the will. Yeah, to be fair, that, that is the strategy we kind of, we went with two dice, uh, black darts, and it was really effective against getting those general kills. But I guess maybe because we'd spent so much will on that, we were 
we were always felt like we were fighting an uphill battle once once the lines clashed inevitably. But maybe we should just not have connected and just like you say, just kept avoiding for the whole time. Yeah, you want to, you've got to decide whether a fight is actually going to give you any advantage whatsoever. And your general play. So the the overall tactic, I imagine, is to to use your, your black dart or compels to assassinate target heroes. So your, your first job is to get rid of any important models because they're worth killing. You happily will give a wraith up or spend some resources to kill off a hero. So once you pull out all the heroes, suddenly things like bodyguard disappears, any of the, like you can go attack warhorns or anything like that gives bonuses to courage. And then you've got this full terror army that, that is able to fight against a bunch of infantry. And your aim is to make sure that you're in a position to, to win on objectives when the game ends, and most of the games end when someone starts to, to roll for break. So you've got to basically just do enough kills to get the break and then make sure you're in a position to win the game. And sometimes you can end up breaking yourself. So there's a really good tactic in this army where because you control exactly when the, your own force breaks because of the spells, you can decide that you're in a strong enough position that, that you want to get to, say, the 25% or you want to, to get to the start rolling early um, and, and just use some spells. So having like the three dice black dart when you've only got three will and, and ending the game or... Yeah, we did yeah. that a couple of times actually. I mean, the, unfortunately, but the it happened to be those times when we where we could we needed to end the game were the ones with the objectives. So we were gonna we were sort of deliberately making ourselves down to a quarter, leaving only what three ring raids. So we had three objectives, but they had the rest of them. So because it was a slight variation on the um, not capture and control, the other one. So yeah, they they ended up having the having the win anyway. So we knew we were gonna lose no matter what. But yeah, I can see that definitely working in most objective games because. It's re- it was really hard for the my opponents to sort of face face down the the ring raids when we started getting in getting the knack of it basically towards the end of the tournament we were thinking ah oh, yeah well, we're starting to understand how this works and then of course the tournament ends so <laughs> but that's the yeah, way that absolutely the, my next my next piece of advice is to get one mm. named ring wraith in and I'm hoping Kylie gets back on so we can discuss I'm, this one I'm, but yeah what? I'm waiting for you oh. to throw to me here we go <laughs> I'm throwing to you now Kylie name ring wraith talk talk all right, to it all right all right so a bit of TLDR well a bit of TLDR here. So I think it was about five, maybe six years ago, I ran the nine to a 1,000 point tournament and everyone thought it was an absolute joke. Uh, I actually wasn't... don't think it was that long ago. I think it was maybe four, four years. Four years? Yeah, four it was years? when, uh, what was his name? Shawan. Shawan won Shawan. it with Sauron. Yeah, yeah. It was that tournament. Yeah, it, I think it was four I years ago. Got... I think it was 2015. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still salty about that because I never got to play him, but that's another... Thing entirely yes anyway uh continuing um so in that to- i i played uh the nine in that it was a thousand point tournament so i had a bit more um resources up my sleeve than kind of the 800 point variant you've got but i have played a couple of games with the 800 point variant and first things first you don't have the crown on the witch king and that is your biggest mistake you could possibly make with this list the, the witch king is your everything you need him like fully kitted out like three might three fate as much will as you can give him, give him the Morgul Blade, give him the crown. Just, you need him to be your, like, kind of main source of damage and your kind of primary beat stick to just kind of run in and just kill stuff. I'll, um, I'll just, just to quickly interrupt, because, um, of course, the, the there's no crown of Morgul at the Ford of Bruinen, so we're going pure theme here, there's no crown. Otherwise, I absolutely would have taken a crown, definitely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Keep going. I, yeah. The thing is, like, the crown is so integral to the list, like, just your ability to deal with things. Otherwise, you just don't have the, the punch you need. Kylie, but, was there, you know, was right, there a crown right, back no. in the day? Oh, it was the three attacks. That's what you're talking about. It was just about. three attacks. It's, okay, like, even okay. better now. 
Not yeah. only do you get to yeah. re-roll your cast, you get to re-roll your resist too. Right. So... Let's imagine the crown doesn't exist. <laughs> All right. Well, you you you're basically you're making this harder in yourself. You basically slap this massive. I think that's, that's the point. Favorite off the wall. <laughs> but like I love I love playing every now and then. Anyway. Back, where was I? I was I was ranting about something. So I've actually I actually like way back when wrote a little like tactica uh, about the nine and how to play them. And I kind of like just been as you guys have been talking, having a quick read through of what I was like talking about. And kind of what you want to do is your goal in the game is not to control the objective straight away. What you want to do is figure out a way of breaking your opponent. So like Jeremy said before, with the moving forward and moving backwards and moving sideways and stuff like that, you want to constantly be moving. Even if you're moving like three or four inches and you don't really want to move, you need to be moving every turn just to change how much space your opponent can like move into without feeling like without them actually being able to do anything about it. One of the cool, cool parts about the army is when your opponent gets into a bad position, You've got nine compels that you can throw out. And what this does mean is you can pull guys forward or especially cavalry models. Cavalry models are like the awesomest things to be zopping forward with compel. Is You can then run in with two ring ranks or three ring ranks. Call a heroic combat and then kill that model and then move into another three models. And one of kind of like the golden rules I, I said about this model is for every two will points uh, in your army, you want to kill at least three models. If you're kind of hitting that average, then you're probably in a good chance to win the game. Because you only need to spend one will per turn, not one will per combat. So if you maximize your, your combat effectiveness with heroic combats, compels, and you know traps and stuff like that, you can find that you can outmaneuver your opponent even when your opponent's outmaneuvering you just because of how often you can use things like compel and stuff to get in the way. And like Jeremy said before, you're, you're kind of like your priority targets are anything that makes your opponent auto pass terror. So your Kinans, your stupid Halberad banners, your bodyguard <laughs> heroes, any of those kind of targets you want to go at. Once you knock out the auto pass courage, and horns are another great thing that you want to go out as well. Once you knock all those things out, you'll find that even high elf armies or Gondorian Oskiliath veteran armies and stuff like that are going to fail courage tests. Because even at like courage four or five, if you're taking that many courage tests just to try to get into the ring waves, you will find that they will pass only about half of them as the turns go on. And because you have so much control and with the might and the will and just your spells, it can really, really mess your opponent up. Even more so now that you've got like instill fear, which is crazy amazing at just mm -hmm. making your opponent get out of dodge. The instill fear thing is a great point because um, we had a couple of goes with uh, trying to sort of drain courage of heroes and things like that. And that was kind of useful, but I think probably we would have probably been better off just doing uh, black darts in the end. But when you get up against someone like Thorin, who's got loads and loads of um, fate and loads of wounds and stuff, we just thought, well, let's get him out of the combat and we got him down to courage one and um, so it was that was quite useful but the instill fear thing that was integral um in a couple of the when we were against a big swarm of people who were you know we just couldn't get away we got bogged down and it, it's so powerful it's so powerful that that spell it, well, it certainly can be yeah also look out for like really kind of cheeky things you can do um like particularly models with heavy armor and shields even big heroes 
compel them near water and then just charge them. All you need to do is win the combat at that point, and then you can knock them down in the water and take make them force swim checks and stuff like that. You can mm. do fun things like moving them near ledges and then knock him off the ledge. There's a lot of little nuances you can do with the list, especially when you start getting really crazy with the heroic actions, because some of the fun, really fun things you can do with the army is, um, say turn one, say you're, you're hovering about, um, say it's an, mostly an, an, you're up against an enemy infantry army, and your opponent thinks they're all set up, ready to go and they think that they're 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 in a good spot to take on your your ring rapes just call four channels and watch as your opponent just goes what's going on because channel is the one way to absolutely mess with your opponent a channel black dart from like an undying or the witch king can be super scary one game i played with this list i called uh three channels uh in one turn with six race on a flank threw every single black dart at the Goblin King, knocked out all his will and might, and then the final black dart from the Undying went in and just insta-gibbed him in one go. <laughs> Similarly as well, I've also done other really cheeky things against Troll Chieftains, like bring him down to Courage Zero, just keep, keep hitting him with Drain Courages and stuff like that. Even just one dice Drain Courages at like High Courage models like Gandalfs and stuff like that, that you know have a lot of will and have ways of dealing with your ring rate, just throw a one dice Drain Courage. You get a two. If you throw nine of them in a single turn, Gandalf doesn't really want to go down to Courage Zero, or even if it's like a, something like a Big Bad Aragorn or a Glorfindel, you keep throwing just one dice like uh, Drain Courages at them. They're forced to resist some of them because if they get low enough Courage, They've now got to start burning will and might just to get into combat. And mm. once heroes are out of might, you can just run in with the Witch King and either strike up or throw a Child Transfix slash Compel over the top and just watch him as he just runs in with the Morgul Blade and just murps a guy. It sounds like um, the, uh, the the biggest mistake I had in terms of writing this list was only giving the Ringwraiths one might. Is that, do you think that, is that right? Do you yeah. think, guys? Yeah. Your, uh, that, your was, first thing... that was the first thing yeah. I noticed. Like that, hundred percent. Yeah, there's eight might points potentially you could add into this list, um, and I would add every single one of them. Your your might is your ability to 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 be proactive. It's heroic combats. It's marches. It's heroic moves if you need them. More importantly, it allows you to modify your spells uh, in a game. So, say you miss an extremely important compel by one pip. You just pop that three to a four, or if you need to get your black darts off, it's it's just your ability to just punch through and kind of outgun your opponent because you have so many points in might. Because if you think about it, if you take all nine ring rapes, you've got what sixteen with the base, nineteen points in might there to call heroic actions or boost spells or allow yourself to get you know wounds in combat. That's extremely potent and. If you can use that might to, you know, do those efficient uses of will for heroic combats and things like that, once your opponent's army is broken, they're going to have nothing left to be able to actually fight you, and their guys are just going to run away. Yeah, so yeah, that... it's an interesting way to look cool. at it. As, as Kylie mentioned with the heroic combats, obviously it's one will point per turn, not one per combat. So every might point that you actually use on a heroic com combat effectively could be seen as an extra will as well. Like... To, you know, as long as it goes well, hopefully. Yeah, and and that that was that the the idea with the with this, this sort of second uh, ring race that we mentioned earlier. He's got two might and uh, two fate. He was kind of like a lieutenant, um, and he he was the one doing calling heroic combats and stuff. And and it did uh, it did work a few times. We did get those heroic combats off where we'd have like three ring raids surrounding a, a poor chap and um, charging off and then getting the knockdown and then killing him and then. 
charging off and spreading out. It, it really worked, but I just think it didn't come off as often. And it's probably because we used the mic at the times to, you know, to call the moves or whatever. And so we're slowly whittling down the mic. So, yeah, if we'd had that extra, what was it, like you say, extra eight points of mic, then yeah. that would have been... yeah. Really useful. just a lot more chances to do that and and then you're not using you know a lot of them only have one might point so you're not using that single might point on the combat and then having nothing to back up the combat with if that makes mm. sense yeah exactly like, even, even for just being able to be really highly mobile like the fact that all your race can call march and you can do things like zip behind a, a car like a, a building or something where your opponent can't see you but the real cool thing about ring race is they don't need to see you to charge and fight you. If you zip your ring race around the corner on a turn where you lose priority, zip him around the corner and compel a guy into combat with you, you're now in combat with the dude. Trap him against a wall or trap him against your own wraiths. Heroic combat, if you set it up right, you can have three wraiths in a heroic combat off a compel, and then you just use that to re-engage that turn. The tricks are, like, all over those players. It's a really hard army to use, don't get me wrong, but... Mm -hmm. When you do get those wins and when you, when you like, there's a point in a game, in a ring rate game, where your opponent's like, they either their big main hero is dead or they're in a bad position and your opponent just starts playing sloppy. I remember in the game I played against, I think it was Shunau, Sunau or Shoen. He had like a Witch King and some Harad and stuff and those really annoying um, that would attack be, ones. That would probably uh, be Watch this, watch this. Yeah. yeah. And there was a point in the game where my ring race went in and on the first turn, killed his Witch King and got rid of the Golden King of Abrakan in on the first turn. And the look on Sean's face was just like, ah, all my power's gone, I guess. Yeah. And he just started playing sloppy, moving models into bad positions, not trying to capture objectives, being unsure about how he's going to play on the table as well. And like, one of the cool things you can do with like objective-based games too, like domination and stuff, is you can compel models off the objective. So if you know the game's going to end soon, or if you've got your opponent's army broken, on the last couple of turns, you can go one dice or two dice compels, move them off objectives, that way, all your ring race is sitting on objectives, ready to capture them, while your opponent's army is running away like flies, especially if they're low courage. Yeah, it sounds really effective. I, I think I have a feeling that if if I'd have just tweaked the the might and the will around a bit and changed things around, well, I mean, would you have not? Would you've gone any fate? Was it was I kind of in the right ball um, ballpark with the fate thing? Because the because the main time we found that they were dying was either when a big hero gangs up on them and chops them down, or they'd run out of fate. Uh, sorry, run out of will. So um, I feel like I might have been right not giving them fate, but just wrong giving them um, not of might. Honestly, I, th I feel that's one of the kind of personal preference things. Like, at a 1,000 points, I felt really comfortable to play with only one fate on all my ring wraiths, just as, like, mm. kind of, like, Legolas insurance kind of stuff. And I think Galadriel insurance, too, I think I had it there for. But um, it, it's down to personal preference. If you feel that you can play in such a way and play well enough that you don't need the fate, and don't need to worry about taking wounds because one of the great things about the ring race was is if you play a perfect game, your opponent's never going to have a chance to hit those races at any point in the game. Um, yeah, if you feel, that, that, yeah, that is true. Yeah, if you feel confident enough to do that, don't take any fate. But if you feel like you'd like a bit more security, throw one fate. If you feel that you there's no way that you feel confident enough to be able to kind of punch through and stuff and put them in the right spots at the right time, then take two fate. It's totally up to you. Fate's kind of like, it's almost kind of like the skill cap for the army. If you take less fate, it makes it harder. If you take more fate, it makes it a little bit easier. I think, yeah, because the times when I've, I, I was kicking myself about having no fate was when we were in combat with uh, with big heroes like uh, like your Thorin company, uh, Thorin's company, or half of Thorin's company it was, and 
and the fellowship because they were just like they'd win a combat which was fine again you know fight five so as a, yeah so they, they were often winning combats with aragorn and people like that and and then they just be like oh okay five to wound okay so six I might it up, and then it's a ringwraith dead. And if if I had that fake, they might not have spent the point of might. They might mm. have done it, and then you know, it, it, I think it would have just been nice insurance in a, in a tournament where we knew we were going to be facing a lot of sort of thematic fellowship yeah. of the ring type armies. I, I probably, I think it probably would have been better with a bit of yeah. fake. But I think if you're playing yeah. against those kind of armies like Thorin's Company or the Fellowship or White Council or something like that, your playstyle really, really changes. Uh, particularly mm. in how you target them down. Like, you, you basically you stay out of Legolas's range or you don't let him be able to see you so you can take a shot. And you kind of pick on the heroes. One of the great things about the Ring Rain list is if you need to get someone, bring someone forward and charge them, you can pretty much do that because you throw nine compels at something, one of them's getting through. There are very few models in the game that can resist nine compels straight up. And yeah, you'll probably only get about seven a off, but how, how often yeah. do you think you can throw a six every single time to, to block a spell? Like even Aragorn and Gandalf and even the really hard to like kind of pin down heroes like Arlendil and Glorfindel are going to struggle to shrug off seven full uh, compels in a turn, especially if a couple of them are channeled that you leave at the end can be totally nasty. Mm-hmm. So with that, do you think we should move on to your suggestions for improvements to, to the list? Because I know you've mentioned the might, but I think you had yeah. some other ideas as well. Yeah, so kind of like the one, because the, I, I have my army builder kind of up at the moment. Uh, one, I think every, might is the first thing you need to do on all the ring race after the horse, of course. Crown is definitely what you want to put on the Witch King. It just he mm-hmm. becomes a beast. It gives you so much damage and gives you more potential on the mortal blade to actually get those wounds in and get that magic four wounds you need to kill one of the big scary heroes basically aside from that there's not much points left in the list i think you've got like an extra six points of stats after those that you can kind of divvy around and stuff i had the witch king on 15 will in this in terms of the named ring wraiths at a thousand points i would definitely look at taking one or two Again, it's down to personal preference. I think I would always take Kamal because he's got strike and gives you just those couple of extra options to deal with um, enemy heroes. And on top of that, the Tainted and the uh, Undying would be my next two choices. The Tainted because it means you're not ha- are so focused and locked in at na- like killing enemy heroes to get rid of the courage. Um, shenanigans with your opponent to auto-pass. And the Undying is just amazing. The fact that you can just go, right, I'm going to spend a point of will, and then all your other wraiths cast a spell next to him, and then he goes, cool, I've got eight will now. I'm going to throw an eight dice black dart at something, or I'm going to throw a channeled eight dice compel at something, or run in and cast a channeled, you know, instill fear. And that's kind of what the Undying is there to do. He's there to make your one guaranteed spell a turn just go off. Mm. That's kind of what he's yeah, that's kind of his job is he, he, he goes, right, I'm going to cast one spell at a turn and it's going to be a guarantee because I'm throwing 8-9 will at it and it's very, very unlikely that it's going to flop. I also like those ones because you've got unlimited combat potential. So things like Kamul and the Undying, because the, the will mechanic is slightly different, you can make it so that, that you can fight a lot more combat. So you don't mind fighting a goblin or something like that that's not of huge value. So that's, mm. that's a nice option to higher points as well, especially against Horde armies. Yeah, and the Tainted's very handy um, just to... Not just his ability to uh, lock out Stamfasts from enemy heroes, which can be really useful to stop your opponent from you know, using their Stamfasts to keep them around and stuff. 
But in addition, he has an ability which stops your opponent from calling heroic moves. So if your troop, if your opponent's troops aren't calling heroic moves, and you've got you know three, four wraiths the back in the back line ready to transfix enemy heroes that can move, your opponent can be locked out, basically giving you initiative every turn to kind of call heroic actions if you need it and get out of dodge. So are you guys thinking, because at 800 points, I, I think the, the best I could probably do is lose a point of will for each, uh, each of the guys uh, and give them all two might. But I, I'm guessing from what you said, it sounds like the, the best points value to be playing a, a nine ring raids army is probably going to be 1,000 or at least 900. But I'd, I've never, ever played a game at 900 yeah. points. So is, that, is that about right? Yeah, 850, you could get away with two. Just the extra stats is huge. Like... Once you've got the, all the might and horses down, basically yeah. anything else after that is kind of, you know, tinkering around, making your army stronger. So 800 is the minimum you're going to play this at. And Yeah, I don't yeah, think you'd want to do basically that. Basically any points up above 8 and your army just gets stronger and you get more resources and you have more options to deal with things and you can now start swapping in for some name ring race and special rules and stuff like that. Well, it's awesome. Unless you guys, any of you uh, guys had anything else to add, I think that kind of does the ring race, right? Yeah, I think that's yeah. the Black Riders done. All right, yeah. awesome. Crown to your friend, always take the crown. Always take the crown. <laughs> All the might and the Unless crown. Unless you want to go theme, then do without it, Kylie. And the three might and the Witch King, that's also big. Three might and Witch King. <laughs> yeah, always. yeah, it should definitely be. Yeah. All right, well, on to the next list. So the next one Harry's got for us here is... Last March of the Ends. Jeremy, do you want to lead us off with this one? It's a little bit quicker than the Dude, last. Oh, no, 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 don't, don't, don't preempt, Matt. You don't know how long we're going to talk about this. <laughs> no, no, so I just meant, here, I meant the last physically the end. list. <laughs> we'll be a little bit quicker to read, I think. No, because I'm going to do it in Entish. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> the last March of the Ends contains Treebeard with Mary and Pippin, followed by... Five Ents, each with a different name that did not come up in this tale, for a grand total of six Ents with two Hobbits at 800 points. Yeah, still quicker. At. Okay. So, okay. Um, so with this... It's. I think this is probably the only time you'd ever uh, you'd ever really do a full Ents army is at eight hundred points, just because the maths works out really nicely to have five Ents uh, tree bid. Um, and I know now the because the, I, 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 this is the uh, army I took to Seven Stones, the same tournament that the Ringwraiths went to. Um, this is an army I took to last year, um, but last year they didn't have the. Uh, this is in the new. This is the old edition, so they didn't have the resistance to magic which was just horrible because we just ended up getting um, lots and lots of uh, com uh, compels and, and being transfixed all the time. So I'm intrigued, though, because it's basically a monster army all built around Treebeard. Um, but I, what sort of strategies would you use to, in particular, I guess, get the objectives and stuff? Because we've got so few models here. Um, how easy do you think it would be? Firstly, just, can um, someone remind me what Mary and Pippin do on top of Treebeard? Are they throw um, all they do is throw stones. <laughs> That's it. But most importantly, they can dismount off Treebeard and run around and do things. Yeah, they can do objectives. Yeah, yeah, cool. Do they dismount in the same way as you would a uh, cavalry model? Yeah, that's like a passenger. Okay, yeah. cool. Also, I just think you mentioned resistant to magic, but I think isn't it a, even a little bit better than that? Isn't it they can't yeah, be affected got this, at all? Yeah, um, like, they've got this crazy rule where it's like they're immune, they're immune to magic 
and they can't be moved against their will and they can't be t- knocked over. Here, yeah, I found it, I found it. It's, they're fearless, so they're completely unaffected by magical powers or special rules that would prevent them from moving against or move them against their will. If they're targeted by spells such as Sorceress Blast, they will take damage but no other effects. And it's completely immune to nature's wrath, wrath of brooders or anything that knocks them down. Brilliant. Unless you're strength nine or more in like a smog or something or a gulliver who's heroic strengthening up. I mean, that's about as far as you'll get. Yeah, well, in terms of a hurl or something crazy like that. Or a barge, I Yeah, guess. but there ain't much stuff that can hurl an ant. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Can I start with some very basic tactics and then we move on to some more advanced, Kylie? Is that okay? Yes, yeah, so as long as you talk about our Lord and Savior, the Throw Stone. <laughs> I, I, that's the first thing I was going to lead off with. Throw Stones is the key part of this list. When you have one of them, it really doesn't make a huge difference. It's a nice bonus when it goes off. But when you have multiple Throw Stones, the potential to hit with one or two a turn, it actually is really, really scary for big, expensive heroes. So the first thing that you want to do with this list is to get into a position where you're somewhat threatening, where your ends are reasonably close together. They don't have to be in base contact. You want to give a little bit of room. If you've got some woods nearby, that's great. But you want to, you want to look like you're moving, and then just when the opponent moves, they, they move their turn. You say for your turn, yep, I'm done with movement. You put a die next to all of them, especially like ideally a die that looks like a rock, so you can hurl it at your actual opponent as well. But you want to you want to get that ready to go, and then you you look you find a hero anyone anyone any expensive hero you find it in range and you go right everything at that one and if you've got it in the ways or whatever it's not a problem just go at it go at it go at it shoot at it for that turn and really scare the opponent because what will happen is they'll start putting guys in front of it so they start getting out of formation because they're worried about what to do against this end army because you might do a wound or they just they start sweating on it and doing maths of what happens if I take three wounds from throw stones at whatever it is, strength 8 or 10, it becomes really worrying. So you've got strength to... Strength 10. Strength 10, fantastic. So it's wounding pretty much anything. And especially if you can get points off a leader wound or something like that, it's a great way to, to get some initiative and force your opponent to come at you. And then once you've got that, mm. you can start playing the movement game where you start moving, not necessarily backwards, but a lot of sidewards movement. And then using your, your barges, occasionally hurl. Hurl, I wouldn't use as an offensive weapon that much. I'd use it as a, as a movement weapon to slow heroes down. Uh, hurl, barge, re- like you don't have to worry too much about the rend. That's when it's opportunistic and you do it. But you keep them moving a bit and don't get them bogged down because this army, there's no no reason you can't fight a combat every turn for an unlimited amount of turns. There's no <clears> limit <throat> to this army. There's no will mechanic. So you've got to make sure that you don't get bogged down because as soon as you get bogged down and the enemy is able to pin you, they can go capture objectives. So the key is to keep disrupting and not necessarily kill them that fast. You don't. You're not in a hurry. You want to be taking out key models of the heroes. You want to be engaging, re-engaging, sometimes moving backwards. But like the Wraiths, you want to keep your opponent guessing because an an army that's stationary is an end army that has turned into trees. Kylie? So one of the kind of like main, big, kind of really important tactics that you can do with monsters, in particular ants are really, really good at doing this, is creating extraordinarily large and obnoxious walls. Now, what I mean by this is... If you uh, pull out your calculators and uh, work out the distances between the, like, the size of the bases that the Ents are on, each Ent is on a 60 mil base, which is roughly two and a half inches. Then if you place a gap that is just slightly less than an inch, puts you up to about three and a half inches. If you have 
five to six ants. You can create a wall in the center of the table that is roughly 15 inches long. Yes? Yes, roughly sure, 15 we'll, we'll inches long. We'll go with that. Long. That sounds about right. Three times five is 15, yes. Well, the six You're saying them. roughly, that's fine, Kylie. Yeah, roughly about 15 inches long, which longer is longer than like a 12-inch mover like a flyer or stuff like that. So if you really, really need to kind of wall off an objective, choose two points between two buildings, you can basically mitigate your opponent's numbers advantage by forcing them to go around you the long way, like around giant buildings and stuff. And this is kind of like a little trick that I learned ages ago when I used to run ants with um, Woses and stuff. And it still works really good now, as a way of screening off objectives, it's also something you can do with eagles. If you know, any eagle players in the house that you know enjoy join playing those kind of lists, so you can park yourself, especially on like the scenarios where you have to kind of capture objectives and stuff like that, like uh, dominations, domination, and uh, capture and control, and things like that. If you find choke points in the building and you measure it out, you can kind of do the math to figure out how many ends you need to block off those spaces. And then use your other ends to kind of run around and capture objectives and stuff. Especially in Domination, where you get to place your own objective. It's really cool, a good way of placing it just a little bit back from a gap. And then park your ends in the middle of that gap whilst you get, you know, Miriam Pippin to jump off Treebeard, pick up the objective if it's like Caesar Prize or something like that. Or just add extra bodies to the table, which can be really, really handy. Especially when you have Barge to keep pushing them back and creating this really obnoxious wall. That's an interesting strategy because the only time I've ever played against uh, uh, Ents in the new edition, um, I had a weird chariot-based list which didn't really work. But I just found them very hard to move around because I had I had some magic and I was hoping to be able to do that. And then I realised I couldn't do any of that. So it, they, they're just so so difficult to take them down and then they're really strong. But and going back to Jeremy's point earlier, you were talking about um, throwing stones and but also trying to keep moving. And because um, like, I did the, the was an eight inch range on the throw stones, so like you kind of left with this decision where oh, it's right, much I... longer than eight inches. It's eight is it? Eight. Oh, on 18, the throw stones, eighteen inches at strength ten. Uh, okay, that's where I'm getting. Okay, then your your point is still very. Yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking if it, it was eight even, inches. Even yeah, even if you got yeah, something that... like a Dane, Dane's gonna be worried about this. You know, he's only mm -hmm. defense eight. He's looking at these stones coming out and going, "That's gonna win me on a three plus. This is gonna hurt." Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> then th th it, it seems like a really strong army, and I like I haven't seen many people playing it. So, um, and also lovely informatics, which is nice. Hmm. I actually like using them as an allied contingent to um, other armies like Wozes, uh, Wood Elves. And they kind of act as a pivot point because you can use these really cool mechanics with large base models where you basically hide your entire army behind them and you use them as this giant snowplow slash wall. So when other models try to come around and try to trap them, you've got your really nasty backup elves or woeses and stuff to peel guys off the ends while you just have them, you know, kind of go to town and do their thing. Works really well with the three trolls as well. Hmm. Yeah, on, on that um, note, okay. like, in, in terms of, like, how to avoid getting into that trap of, you know, your Ents are getting picked off one by one by heroes that are getting around and, and heroic striking and that sort of thing, you, you really have to be careful of the ones on the ends, on the, on the ends of your line. Often it's a good idea, actually, just to sort of 
castle up a little bit and just move back and just make sure that you don't have that turn where a hero is able to come all the way around and, and like this can work out really well for you if they're trying to chase an ent around like say you've got a uh, i don't know an aragorn or um yeah i presumably this was a good versus evil sort of deal so let's say a uh a witch king or oh, i don't know which king as oh. yeah something something big that oh, can actually thing. take an ent down yeah. If you can um, play your flanks in such a way that you're making them chase you for a few turns, like, even if they do eventually get the end, at least you've pulled Azog away from it. Just make sure you don't let uh, this happen to Treebeard. <laughs> Treebeard's the one you definitely want to be very, very careful with, I guess, uh, in that regard. Yeah. It's, it's kind of one of those balancing acts, because if, if they've got, like, this big alpha, alpha strike kind of, I'm going to mm. take you down regardless of what you are, you kind of hear, like, an Aragorn with pointy sort of doom, or an Azog or something like that, you want to keep Treebeard as far away from them as possible. If you have another hero, like a Suladan, or even, like, an Amdur, or something like that, that doesn't have as much high-end damage potential, then you want Treebeard as the interceptor for that hero, because he can rock in go right i've got three runes three fey i can throw a strike if i need to and just pummel this guy down or just blunt his charge and save my other ants because for a hero like Suladan or something they can chop through a regular ant just fine but if they hit treebid it's suddenly a different story yeah so it's about being able to analyze your opponent's damage potential and and you know which models you match up well against and at 800 points, obviously, uh, you've only got three points of might here in this list. How do you get that sort of movement disadvantage that, you know, once the, the lines do clash? I know, Jeremy, you were saying about um, moving back and making sure you've got that. Uh, you're always trying to sort of stay as far away almost as possible. Uh, but once the lines do clash, you, you, you kind of want to be saving your might, I guess, for, uh, you know, if you've got someone, I don't know, uh, you wanted to kill someone particularly or whatever. But, like... You, that you're going to not be having that charge very often, and, and that's when I guess you get trapped, especially with such a small force of six six ends. If you're trying to castle up, you're going to get surrounded eventually. How do you get around that uh, idea of uh, you know potentially being massively outmighted? Think a few turns ahead, yeah, and, and make sure that you're using your barge, especially on the the ones that are going to exactly get isolated. Exactly what I was going to say, <laughs> but I was so, going to say yeah, in a exactly word, exactly barge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm playing against the ends. I'm going to try and trap them into getting excited about kills and isolated, and then I'm going to throw all my hero in and just eat one up. So you've got to recognize when that's going to happen, and especially those flank ones that Matt was talking about, don't be afraid to, to barge backwards. So to move out, mm. to cover your flanks, and to keep moving in that way, because at that point, you're pretty much not going to bother with heroic moves because they'll charge you. They'll hit some guys in, but because you're using terrain to anchor, you're getting near woods, you're getting near pillars, you're getting near rocks, Any anything. If, if there's terrain on your board, which I know that some boards have terrain, go <laughs> fight, near the, fight near the terrain. And you use that to yeah. keep yourself moving. So instead of moving in the move phase, you end up moving with the ones that need to move in the fight phase. And only maybe two or three are doing the kills at that point because you're, you're setting up two or three turns ahead. What happens if Aragorn gets around or what happens if just this horde of goblins gets around and jumps around my back? I don't want to be surrounded at any one point because that's where I'm going to lose my three wounds in one go. So you've got to be really careful. And that barge is a fantastic way of doing that. Not necessarily to go forward, but to go back. Sometimes to go forward. If you can pick off a banner or a, a cheap hero, by all means. But barging backwards is a nice move. Okay. Yeah, the, the, Brilliant. Mis the mistake I see a lot is, is people thinking... 
right, I've got these small number of models, they're all very powerful, I want to do as much damage as possible in as small amount of time as possible. And that's not really the way to think about it. The best way to think about it is you've got these powerful heroes that can last a very, very long time, and you actually want as many opportunities with an advantageous position as possible, rather than just going in as hard as you can. And that's how you use that barge to, if you're in a poorer position, or you will be in the next turn or the, the turn following that, you make sure that you're not going to get into that position. Things like woods and rivers are really, really good for this too, because you don't suffer penalties for moving through woods. You don't suffer penalties for moving through water, but your opponent does. So suddenly your barges and your moves through those terrain features double in effectiveness because whilst you're moving six inches, your opponent's moving three. And that can be a really good way of either disengaging, especially if you barge, uh, roll high enough on the barge, or preventing, slowing down your opponent enough so that they can't get around and hit you. Especially when you've got things like um, Bludgeon now, which is a really nasty, brutal power attack that basically means you can keep hitting things with strength 8 hits until they die. It means that your ability to lock down your flanks and get rid of the really annoying models that are coming at you and just kind of get them off the table and giving you kind of rooms, room to move and room to maneuver. That was actually, I'm glad you brought up the new uh, Brutal Power Attack, because I was going to ask about the usage of that, and I haven't seen anyone really use it, um, but it sounds like it could be a potentially great one to have, say, if, you've, if you're fighting up against a Gimli or a Dane or something like that, that you can, you know, use them as the beat stick to, to smash up everyone else. It sounds yeah. like it could be quite quite fun. It's really good when you have a hero that you want to keep doing hits to. It's great. It, it's not great when you're fighting one or two models. At that point, you just want to strike normally or rend or, or what have you. Mm. But if you're up against, you know, four plus models, well, suddenly the bludgeon looks really good because you can get multiple strength eight hits on multiple models. And to get at ants, you sometimes you've just got to run in and, and, and have a go at them with as many guys as you can just to get the dice to win the combat. And if your ant rolls a six... Grab a guy, grab a captain, grab a grab, grab just a pleb because you can pick up another pleb as well and just, you know, keep knocking at all the guys that are trying to go in. It's great for when you get swamped. Yeah. Fantastic. So uh, w would you ever run this list? Would you like have or have you ever run this list yet? I haven't yeah. ran a have I haven't run a pure I haven't run a pure version of this list. The most I've done is Treebeard and Two Ents with kind mm. of other things like um elves and woes behind them and kind of use them as shepherds i haven't run them as kind of a pure end with the, the the kind of obnoxious resistance to uh magic and stuff like that but i know tim has has yeah tim i was really gonna say it. yeah yeah how, tim, how did he go with it do you know um, he did all right the tournament that he took it to out of these six games he managed to win three which isn't too bad yeah. especially because this was in the old rules so in the new rules i can only see him um being much more uh, efficient and effective, and actually, I should get on Tim and tell him to give it a try. Have a game against him. Get him to give it a try again soon. I've only played them in the scenarios, and they're they're really scary when they're up against Isengard and, and marching through, and it's it's quite a sight to behold. So, uh, would I run it? Absolutely. This is I'm actually trying to find a, an 800 point event on our calendar because it's really cool. Should I we... like it. I like it. Can we look yeah, at the I was going to say. Uh, On to the next list. Sure. Let's have a look. I, I'm going to describe this one real quick. Okay. It is Thorin's Company. We've got Thorin with Orcus and Oak and Shield. We've got 
his cousin Philly, his other cousin Killy. We've got Balan and Dwalin, both cousins as well, I believe. Biffa, Bofa, Bomba, Ori, Nori, Dori, Owen, Glowen, and Bilbo with Sting in the ring. And that's at 700 points. I know for a fact that, Kylie, you've run this, haven't you? You run exactly this? I have run this and hated just about every minute of it. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I do not think this is actually a fun list to play. Uh, because it ba basically, um, and Jeremy kind of showed me that how to take this list apart, and it's not <laughs> yes, hard I to do. Um, it lacks from it, it has one extraordinarily kind of big weakness, and that's not having any mobility whatsoever. There's not a single one of those dwarfs that has much. Your ranged firepower from Killy and the handful of throwing weapons in the slingshot is not enough to threat your opponent and at short range too. You need Gandalf in the list so you don't get shot off the table. So now you're down three dwarves if you have because you have to take Gandalf. And it just it doesn't feel fun to play. Like if you compare it to something like the Fellowship, which you know have Aragorn, Boromir. Uh, Legolas, Gimli, all these really big, high-impact heroes, and you got some couple of the smaller ones running around in, in Hobbits. These guys don't have that. They've got a, basically an army of mid-range captains with a couple of nasty ones in Dwalin and Thorin, and that's really it. Once you deal with Thorin or Dwalin, you can just kind of go to town on the rest of the army. Even when they have their full armored version, they still had that same problem where they were just too slow and just couldn't be maneuvered enough to actually do anything with them. And the only way you'll ever get a chance of winning a game with Thorin's company is if your opponent willingly charges them and lets you go to town with the right combats and the crazy shenanigans and the synergies. In my opinion, mm. I think this is a straight-up scenario force, and I wouldn't use them in any other way, except for maybe a couple of allies like Billy Killian Thorn on on ponies or some or goats or something like that allied into an Iron Hills list or you know taking parts of the Thorns company and using them as allied contingents. Aside from that, I would not bother with them. They have to have ponies to remain viable, and even then, you need Gandalf for the blinding light. Otherwise, all your ponies get shot out, and you just have nothing left. Oh, that's mm. very depressing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, was hoping, I was hoping for some positivity and some, you know, cool strategies to make this list work. But uh, I will. Yeah. I'm going to provide some, Kylie. I'm going to be the beacon of light here for your darkness because <laughs> I've done I've done a lot of Thorin's company in scenarios and and some play in in points match games. And there are yes, you mentioned the moves and a canny player who has cavalry will definitely cause some problems. A canny so player with. Anything that's move six will cause some problems. Yes, but calm down, Kylie. It's my turn to rebut your argument. You made your point, but I will make a, a point that's probably not as strong, but it will be a point nonetheless. So your first priority has got to be to, to threaten some, some cavalry if you can. So watch out for that, because cavalry eat these guys alive, and heroes on cavalry you've got to really watch out for. They hate Bolg and those sort of big characters, so watch out for that. But in a scenario where you have to get a single point on the table or you are not forced to move, they were okay. So things like that, any any variation of start in the middle, run to the middle, go to the middle, there's a middle, even some of those like prize scenarios, they're not bad at because you don't you can keep them in a ball. So when they're in a ball, the idea is you put your one attack guys in the inside. 
So you've got your slingshotty guy. Um, I think that's Ori. Um, your banner guy, which is, uh, is that Owen? Uh, it's Oin, um, Ori, and Oin, Balin yeah. are your kind of low attack guys. Yes. And basically, you need a two attack guy or a three attack guy on either side of them. Yes, or they go, like, you almost make this ball, and they go in the middle of the ball, and they just fight a little one-on-one guy if they have to, to help out, because you want to keep them protected. Then your next layer around that, you have, okay, so instead of doing that, so you put those three guys in the middle. Then you take your three attack guys and make, like, a, a, a big sort of square, the points of a square. So that's your Thorin, your Dory, your, uh, uh, what's Dwalin. it, and um, uh, Dwalin, yes. So they, they form your attacking points, and then they get supported by a couple, two attack guys on either side of them. So you fill in your other ones. You've got to somehow get the opponent to target before with magic spells, then you can laugh at them, but that doesn't happen very often. But when it does, you can laugh your head off at them. You've got a little bit of range attack, so you use it when you can. Ori, the slingshot guy, is particularly good. Once you're in a spot you want to be, he's he's your killer. So you don't don't be afraid to throw things at him. And then you do this sort of bubble formation where you stay in a circle and you just sort of roll up and down an enemy line. So when the enemy line comes in, you try and attack it and then sort of pull back and then curve around. So your line keeps curving around and, and dancing around in a way. And you can wear things down with them. They're not easy to take out. They will get taken out with concerted efforts, but you can usually fight back pretty well. And you've got some really good fighters, which you have to you have to position well. So you have to be pretty canny in terms of where they're, where they're threatening. But they've you've got an option. And against like a horde army, they're actually pretty decent, unless it's one of those scenarios where they have to all split up. So if they have to split up, don't split up too early. Don't split up too early. Go there, get the opponent almost to break point if you can. Run straight up the middle. Try and engage the line. Heroic moves to get into combat, wear them down, and then split up into little task forces and be clever about it. Send a fighter and a, and a couple two attack guys to go capture objectives if you can and and hope. I actually I enjoy playing this army. I think it's a fun one to play. I think you can definitely win some games. I don't think, unlike the other ones we do, I don't think you could consistently win with it in all scenarios because against, say, a, a Cavalry Rohan army, you're really not even going to get a fight. But... I think it's it's one there with with an infantry opponent. Yes, even if they're only movement six, I think you've got a chance uh, against all cav. You don't really, but I, I actually enjoy this army, and there's some really nice synergies in it. And I think it's one of the more interesting all hero armies in that you've got lots of might, you've got lots of basic attacky guys, and you've got heaps of fun scenarios to play after you finish your points match games. And uh, just on to you, uh, Kylie, you mentioned earlier about um, the ponies. You'd always have them with the ponies because ponies, they they got a bit of a nerf in the new edition that you don't get the knockdown, you don't get the, you have to do, do courage checks to actually charge. And would you still definitely go with the ponies if you can? Yes, because you need them to get places. That's all they mm. are. They're a delivery system. Pay, it, okay. pay, pay the, what, 70 points it is to put them all on pony? 100% yes. every day of the week. Every day of the week, wouldn't even think twice about it. Well, you'd grab the goats when you can, I'd imagine. If, if they've got yeah. goats available, take the goats. But yeah, I think that's the the champions available list. But yeah, that that makes yeah. sense. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, my yeah. my experience I, I, with I this a... list. Uh, sorry, what were you going to say, Carly? Because uh, I I took these to a tournament uh, a couple of years back, and I had one game where I enjoyed myself. And that was the the uh, the the one where you had to uh, run to the middle of the table, the the whole gram one. Mm-hmm. That was the only game I enjoyed. Every other game, I did didn't have 
basically anything I could really do against my opponent. And I managed to, I think, only squeeze two win, wins out of out of the list as well. It just it felt you don't feel like you have options. And that's that's kind of one of the things I really don't like about the list is, yeah, you've got all these great special rules and these great synergies, but when it comes down to it, you don't have anything proactive you can do with the army because you have no way of getting to your opponent. You have no way of keeping them there if they don't want to be there. And your basic troops, your basic uh, dwarves, like your Biffa Bofa and, and crew just get overwhelmed by big heroes and your Thorin and your Dwellin can't be everywhere. And Yeah, I know, I know it's a bit of a somber note, but... <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a very somber note. Yeah, but individually, I, I... individually, as like they're like little groups like Ori Dori Nori or Oink Oin or, you know, Killy Philly and Thorin, if you take those, like just like the three of them or, or, or two of them or four of them, and they're kind of like little groups because Dwal and Balan work really well together. Biffa Bofa Bomba work really well together. Ori Dori Nori work really If you take them and they're like kind of little groups and you ally them into another list, there are absolutely phenomenal it's like an extra three captains in your army that can do all these crazy things and you get a lot of use out of it but you've got other guys in the army to kind of shield their backs and stuff and fight as a fighting force but when they're just kind of together they just they just don't have the same kind of sparkle yeah i look my my two experiences i think uh with this list and in a points match sort of situation was watching Kylie being extremely depressed, going through this tournament, going, why did I bring this? This is a terrible idea. <laughs> um, in fact, I don't think you even made the decision to bring it, did you, Kylie? Someone else decided on your list for you, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Is that right? They did. Yeah, so she hadn't even made the decision to take these things, and she was stuck with them for six games, which was, yeah, <laughs> very sad. Um and my only other experience was playing against it with a dragon with fly and worm tongue. And I just compelled three of the dwarves, charged in, combated, killed them, ran away again. Once I'd got rid of the heavy hitters, I just swamped them. So it was like, it, and there was absolutely nothing yeah. I could do. Yeah. I, I played a, a, in, in the very first episode of Ent, I played against um, a, a, a guy called Scott Johnson, who's um, who, who ran a Thorin's company, and I had Sauron and the two ring raids on the Fell Beasts, and it, I, I felt I, like it was. Although I, we had a great moment with uh, Ori or Nori, I can't remember which one he is, who flicks the um, thing. He took a wound off Sauron in one shot with the with the, uh, nice. with the slingshot, which was great, which is great. But um, after that, I just it was it was. There was nobody who really could do the uh, output any damage to take out Sauron other than yeah. Thorin, and I just I, I chopped him out pretty quickly, and that was that really. So it didn't feel like a great, a really super strong force. But yeah. um, you'd think with so many heroes, you'd you'd get it. But they just those heroes aren't as it's no, having a two forty-five point heroes just isn't as good as having one Gimli or one Legolas or one yeah. Boromir. Like, mm. When we get into Fellowship, I will rave all about them and I'll make comparisons to Thorin's company with them because they 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 feel the same, but they play so differently and what you get out of them is so different. Why wait, yeah. Kylie? Let's get right into it. Why wait? The Fellowship of the Ring, I actually had a game with this recently at my local G-Dub against Jude. Was it Jude? Jude or Matt? One of the two. And had a ball 
with it. It is... This army almost feels rude to put on the table because you think Thorin's company have great synergy. Nah, they got nothing on the Fellowship. With all the buffs that they got in the new edition and all of the crazy shenanigans you can now do with Legolas and Gimli, Merry and Pippin being able to use Boromir's mic is insane. Sam being a little baller now too. Frodo being like the craziest assassin you ever did see. And then Aragorn, Barmia, and Legolas and Gimli just being machines. All the while you're getting all these free additions from like Bill the Pony and stuff. The army is insane. It's insane. It, it is so fun to play. So Shall I run the... through the list? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So run through the list right while I calm yeah. myself down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. just so to clarify which... Yeah, so just to clarify which limit we're at, we're, we're on 800 points. So we've got Frodo with Sting, the Mithril Coat. We've got Sam, we've got Merry and Pippin, Gandalf the Grey, Aragorn with a bow, Boromir with a shield, Legolas, Gimli, uh, and Bill the Pony. The so uh, this member, is, of course. Yeah, of, of course. This, so this is, the, this is the bit where they're just about to go into the Mines of Moria. Um, so there are no, no elven cloaks and things like that. But uh, yeah, go on, Kylie. Uh, rave, ra- rave away. <laughs> All right, raving, raving away. Okay, so first... First things first, we have the Peace de Resistance, Aragorn, the man that does everything. Literally, it's in his job descriptions, the only heroic action he doesn't have is channel. Everything else he can do. And Aragorn is your man, because with Mighty Hero, he basically means that the Fellowship's moving seven inches a turn, which means against standard infantry armies, you're moving faster than them, because there's never a turn when you're not calling a march. Just straight up. You're basically calling a march every turn until you get into combat, at which point you are going chop heavy with his uh, pointy sword of doom if you've got it. So that's point number one. You're stupid fast. Point number two. Gandalf's support spells and his array of spells are absolutely insane. The fact that Gandalf the Grey, like, just pulling up his rules now, has eight different spells... Blinding Light, Terror, Immobilize, Command, Protection of the Valor, Valor, which is crazy good at just like, right, Aragorn's not getting targeted by a big barrier this turn, or Boromir's not going to get pinned down with spells. Strength and Will, Collapse Rocks is really kind of fun to use occasionally, and so a good old, an oldie but a goodie in Sorceress Blast as well. His flexibility in the list is insane because your opponent can't shoot you off the table because of blinding light your opponent can't pick out um boromir anymore because you have protection of the valor you've got command for when you need to pull guys forward and heroic combat around the table and you've got blast to deal with pesky heroes on horse he's kind of like your your, your jack of all trades kind of deal with your opponent and watch him laugh as as uh, watch yourself laugh as basically he blunts any kind of significant charge your opponent throws at you. Then we got the three big guns in uh, Boromir, Legolas, and Gimli. These guys are just really solid. They've got the strike that you need to just kind of shrug off big enemy heroes. They've got the might they need to win combats. But what's really cool about it now is the interaction between Legolas and Gimli's um, Legolas shooting things to give... Gimli, I think it's what, re-rolls to wound or plus one to wound? Uh, so, yeah, it's a plus one to wound plus one. in combat. Yeah. That's just insane. So now he's got three attacks at plus one to wound or two attacks at plus two to wound, which is stupid. Which is It, it just works so well because early game, you're going to have Legolas you know, firing off a handful of shots, gets a couple of kills, 
empowers Gimli. And then towards the end of the game, Gimli's going to run forward, kill a whole bunch of guys, which empowers legs of shots, at which point your opponent's not going to have much, much left and either running away, allowing Legolas to now shoot guys off objectives, which is really, really handy. The other really cool synergy, and I think this is my favorite addition, is the fact that Merry and Pippin can use Boromir's six points of might. It doesn't sound like a lot, like, like it's important, but the fact that it means that you can do crazy shenanigans like Pippin runs into combat with Aragorn, Aragorn calls a strike, Pippin calls her at combat, you then fling Aragorn into a big bat and watch him chop it to pieces. Or you can do other crazy things where, say you have to split up the Fellowship to go deal with objectives or something, you can throw you know, your, your Pippin and your, your Mary out there with Boromir and go, cool, we're going to do a heroic move and then is going to call a march and watch him run off seven inches directly away from your opponent, which is super, super useful when you have those kind of like little mini interactions going on. Aside from the fact they have throw stones and it it just makes them better as well. So if, if your opponent's coming at you, you can basically go, right, everyone not move for a turn. They move, foolish enough to move within eight inches, you throw four throw stones, a throwing axe and, and a bow, two bow shots at whatever target you want, plus a spell from Gandalf. You're pretty confident in knocking out that that hero's horse just because you can just throw might to block it. Sam's now a mini shield bearer, which is always handy. He basically does the same role for, which is just bodyguard Frodo and get in the way and be annoying. But Frodo's just stupid. The one wing is just stupid. The fact that you've got the hobbits being able to do kind of like hit and run tactics behind you and use her at combats to push Frodo whilst wearing the ring into big scary things, allowing you not allowing you a different way of killing big scary targets like troll chieftains, you know, Azogs and things like that without using Gandalf is super, super important because the ring you can't, there's no defense against it. Unless you're a ring wraith, there is no way you can protect yourself against the ring because it is an effect that's not being used by like spells or something. You can't use your might to strike up and get around over it. You can't use your will to stop the thing from going off. The only kind of real surefire defense you have against it is have a ring rape and hope, which isn't a great thing to, you know, you do against them because you've got Gandalf and a Legolas who can just blast you off your fell beast or shoot you off your fell beast to begin with. So the list is absolutely insane now, and the small little buffs to Bill is also really nice. Being able to get some extra points and might or will back on a 5 plus is always nice. And the fact he counts as a banner is just. The list is yeah. so sweet now. It's it's the, so the, sweet. The banner for for the hobbits is 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 really useful because the amount of times those hobbits end up dying and you you know causing all the problems. But also, you didn't um, mention the the big thing that I think for this list that makes it really really good now is that um, if you've got uh, the, it's the army bonuses that want, uh, it's never considered broken if Frodo's alive and everyone in the army's fearless. So it's oh, like uh, it fearless. Feels- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. What? It's, what? As long as Frodo's alive on the table, you're, everyone is fearless. So it's what? it's a That's it's insane. a Pippin are the best objective grabbers. You just throw fearless Mary and Pippin on on domination objectives in the background, and then if if enemy comes, Boromir jumps out and saves them. That's insane. That's super awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so you 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 like the Fellowship a lot more than Thorin's company, I'm guessing. Oh, I I absolutely like. One of the cool things about the Fellowship is. Because you have so much renewable might and resources, you can do really cheeky things during the game. 
where um, you go, you're, say you're about to get into a bad position or your opponent's about to swamp and surround you, you can go, cool, march from Aragorn, heroic move with one of the hobbits, heroic move with um, like Boromir or something, and go, throw some might to stop me. And your opponent goes, okay, I'll throw some might to stop you. Then they kind of start to get around and then you use Aragorn and Boromir to create another hole. And then next turn, again, you do the same thing. Might and march. And your opponent is constantly in this back foot where they're constantly having to burn their resources just to keep up with you. Because one of the really frustrating things about the Fellowship is they can disengage pretty much at any opportunity. You have to get a full surround against to stop them from moving. And getting a full surround against heroes like Aragorn, Boromir, Legolas, when they've got all these other fan like and Gimli, who've got all these fancy things and Gandalf able to compel blast things out of the way, especially when you've got terrain and stuff to anchor off, it can be really, really frustrating to have to deal with. And you can basically outgun any opponent. I don't I don't think there's a single army list out there that you can't outgun with this with this army. Simply because you have so much resources at your disposal and so much renewable resources. And you've got to consider things like um, marching means that you can actually use things like Gandalf power when you get into the rocks. So if you if you go and you, you can move through those pretty confidently. So you don't worry about the extra movement. You can trick people off through that. You can. Um, my, my favorite part of this is just marching for three or four turns in a row. And just going from one side to the other side of the board and just throwing people off because uh, they they really won't know what to do and their force will end up getting split. I know that I've played a force with the three hunters and just with Aragorn marching to the right twice and then back to the left twice was fantastic because their entire army just got split up along the way. I end up attacking from where I started, but their army just got spread out trying to cover me just from the, the phenomenal movement that you get for no resources because Aragorn just regenerates it. Hmm. And the fact that build can regenerate it too means that you can throw move marches in there almost at willy-nilly. Like it's it's you get basically over four turns, it's gonna only cost you three points of might to do it. And when you got like a machine like Boromir and stuff, and like that's the other thing that I kind of like really didn't touch on is just how good Boromir is in the fellowship. Now, because you have protection of the Valor, one of kind of Boromir's big weaknesses before, the Fellowship's big weakness before was an enemy spellcaster casts a spell at Boromir and Boromir gets pulled forward and then killed. You can't do that against him anymore. He's got protection of the Valor. You can't target him. And just that ability to go, right, you can't be targeted and keeping this fight six, three, three attack model with six points of might just hanging around is just really, really frustrating and re can be really, really annoying for to find a way around and have to do it because you basically have to fight him head on. Yeah, I feel like that spell, um, it, it almost seems like it was added purely for a, an actual fellowship list. I mean, that sounds obvious because it's Gandalf the Grey, but, you know, it, it's yeah. one of those things that they've added in where it feels very, very specific. And actually, you know, all of the changes that they've made uh, to the fellowship in the new edition, it feels like they looked at what the weaknesses of the list were and they went, all right, we need a way to cover this up so that, you know, Merry and Pippin aren't just a liability. They're not just a roadblock, you know? Uh, it's not so simple to just break them and win the game that way now. Things like that. They, they I, I really love the changes that they've made. 
No. In, in fact, Mary and Pippin are one of your, your your biggest assets because because they can go. You can do the the strike combat trick with those two hobbits using Boromir's might. But more importantly, you can use them to get that extra reroll that you need to help them win combat. That's one of the best uses mm. for Sam now is just throwing an extra two attacks at a combat. Simply because he gets a reroll and some points of might to throw at it. He's super, super useful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm re- I must say I'm really looking forward to using the... I haven't had a chance yet um, in the new edition, but um, I had I had some luck with the Fellowship in the past, um, and they're so much better now. So I think oh, I, I really... I can't, I can't wait to get this on the table. Not very many 800-point tournaments kicking around, but I'm, I'm keeping an eye out for one here in the UK. We'll move on to the last list we've got here, which, which is a very interesting one. I'm going to go through this one. Okay. Journey to Rivendell. We've got Aragorn with bow and armor. We've got all the hobbits, Frodo, Sam, Merry, Pippin, and Bill, of course. And then we have some allies here. This is a yellow alliance. So we have Arwen riding Asphaloth. We've got Gildor, and he's got with him a number of Noldoran exiles. We've got five with spear, one with throwing daggers, four with bow. And then, just as the piece de resistance... Tom and Goldberry added on for an extra 300 points in there. That's a total of 800. We've got, yeah, how many how many models is that? That's uh, 11, 20. 12, 20 models. Uh, it says it right there. Okay, 20 models. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. So Very interesting. Yeah, so, so, so the, the, the theme obviously here is all the peop- various people, Frodo and Sam and Merry and everyone, meet on the way. And, and worth noting that, that Frodo doesn't have the Mithril coat or Sting. So just a yeah. little hampering there for you, just to make it even even easier for you. <laughs> yeah, just just as my first thought, I can't help but notice that Fatty Bolger is missing. What's going on there? That's not right. You're totally right, and <laughs> that would be that would be a much better addition than. But I, I guess I could you could drop an elf and put Fatty in. Let's oh, do definitely. that. Let's yeah, do yeah, that now. Yeah, hundred percent. That's uh, the official list now. Shire yellow with those two lists. Uh, I don't know. That's, that's, that's my that's my concern is that Shire is. Oh, make it a red it's, alliance. It's yellow with the fellowship and where's Rivendell? You think oh no, it's, it's green with Rivendell. There you go. Oh no, not green. It's yellow. Yeah, no, it's still yellow. It's yeah, still yeah. Uh, what about Wanderers in the Wild? Oh, uh, they automatically count as yellow with everything. Um, the two oh, Tom cool. and Bomb. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Still yellow. Easy. Cool. I like it. I like yeah. it. Good job, Matt. Good yeah, contribution. So we drop, so, right. so we drop a spear and add Fatty Bulger in to make it just more thematic. Lovely. Done. <laughs> yep. Uh, I kind of I like this one. My concern is that um, like Tom Bombadil is fantastic and annoying, but I would be tempted to to do something else with the Goldberry one. And my first thought was to turn Arwen into a book version and go for a Gorfindel. Glorfindel, yeah. Give yeah. you another hitter. So that's that's where I would probably be heading with this. But Kylie, I think you had a different idea as well. Yeah, I think um I'm on a similar vein to to Jeremy here. Um I feel that Goldberry is just a little bit too much um of an addition in there that you're not gonna get a whole lot back. Especially with their changes, um the fact that they're using Will every time they fight combat, so when they're using refreshing song and stuff like that. I don't feel you're gonna get enough out of it and you you need a model count. At 800 points, you need at least some sort of a model count to be able to contest objectives. So what I would do with Goldberry is drop her, grab the 140 points, I believe. Yeah. 
Yeah, pick up, say, five Dunedine and fill out Gildor's Warband to a full Warband of 12 Noldorian Exiles. And maybe get some extra throwing weapons and throwing daggers and, and other fun things like that. Because he, it, it will do two things. One, it'll bring your model count up to roughly 26, 27-ish, all things looking good. But more importantly, it brings some strength four to your army. Which you kind of really, really need. Because what this army is is going to do is it's going to be kind of running backwards using, as we said before, the Aragorn free march as a turn, being really super fast, you know, darting seven inches left, darting seven inches right. And then when combat kind of hits, you're using you're using Aragorn's uh, free heroics and Gildor's heroics, Arwen's heroics, and spells to kind of manipulate the combats to your advantage. So one of the cool things, cool interactions about the army is Bombadil means you constantly have a threat of nature's wrath and an immobilite coming at you every turn. Because you've got Arwen there kind of running in, two dice, Wrath of Bruden with a point of might behind her. Very nasty. But at the same time, you can flip it and, you know, throw a channel transfix with Gildor in there. Throw a couple of dice at that, try and knock out or pin down a big enemy hero and then run in with a couple of ranges of the North and Aragorn and knock them out. And I think with the extra few bows too, in particular, it'll give you a bit more mobility and a bit more control over the game where you otherwise wouldn't get if you had Goldberry. It also means you can refresh the Dunedain. So having them spend their might on um, shooting as well, just to soften up the enemy, go for key targets, is something that suddenly becomes a really viable tactic. So... If you really need to, you've got one of them that, that has to spend some might to kill off something of value. You can then spend the refreshing song. Most games with with Tom Bombadil, you're probably okay doing a refreshing song a turn if you don't play combat with him. He's got this interaction where he can sit adjacent to one of your heroes and basically reduce the amount of models that can go near them because that one-inch control zone still is active. So what you do is you park him next to a fighter, so say an Aragorn on the flank or your Gildor or your your well, maybe not your Arwen, but basically what like one of those, and it means that they're fighting one on one or two on two on one. So no, just say it has to be one on one. Yeah, has so to be say one on one yes. because of the the how the one inch control zone overlaps with the bear sitting next to you. So you could have say um, Tom Bombadil with then Gildor next to him and Aragorn on the other side with some Dunedain around that. And that wall means that you're fighting one-on-ones, which means your, son, your heroes who aren't great other than Aragorn are suddenly really hard to pull off. And if they don't kill him in one go, then you get to refresh with Tom Bombadil off a, a heroic move from Aragorn in the next turn. So you've got this, this ability where that unless something's really hitting you big, like a troll or a spider or something like that, like that you, you don't usually lose a model straight out. And it can be really annoying to, to play against. Especially when you got um, two points of might being able to throw around a turn and the one ring with Frodo. So, yeah, let 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 Shelob, let a troll chieftain, let a dragon come charge you. You're not too worried about it because you, you throw Aragorn in there and then you bring Frodo in, 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 in for support and then suddenly that dragon's dropped down to fight four, can't, can't match you, and you can just kind of out... just attrition your opponent. And I think that's kind of what this army does is... You attrition your opponent down and remove their ability to fight you over the long term. Because if any any player that's coming up against this list, you basically got to go all in from turn one. Because the longer you let the game go, the more powerful this army is going to get. Simply because of how many resources they regenerate every turn. Like 
two might and a will point, plus maybe a fate and a wound, and the ability. That's the other thing I forgot to mention too with Bombadil is if you're going second, Bombadil can use Refreshing Song to cleanse away a transfix or some drain courages that one of your heroes might be affected by. He's also got that um, Zapper Spirit spell as well. So when you get close to a Wraith or something like that, you can... Does he have can Banishment now? Yeah, he's got yeah, a Banishment does, spell. Yeah. Damn! Yeah, six inches Banishment, is it? I think something like It's that. close, Damn. but even even things like the Necromancer and that don't like being against him because he's got that cheeky cheeky one. A Shade comes in and you start banishing it and, and you, can, oh. you can do a lot of cool things with him. Yeah, that's... that's uh... Pretty brutal. That's nasty. Yeah, yeah, that's really nasty. That's really nasty. Because there's nothing you can do yeah, about it, really. I know. Uh, I think he's 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 although he's obviously got that that massive downside now of the 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 kind of um the like the ring wave effect where he'll he'll lose he's on, he's on a will and then eventually yeah. dies. Yeah, he, he's he's got 15 will. You know, that's that's pretty strong. He's got a lot of opportunities to do stuff until then, and it could be a really big deal. You know, if you get Bombadil near a Sauron or near a uh, a Witch King or whatever, it can really, really mess things up for them. So, yeah, I, I like the idea of using Tom uh, again. I haven't, haven't used him yet, but in the yeah. new editions. So. I mean, like, l- let's be honest. He has this special rule that you cannot get around. Like, he's nigh untargetable. You're not, he's not going to actually kind of leave the table because if he gets down on one wheel, you're just going to have him sit there on one wheel going, cool, everyone within three inches of me passes courage tests. And I'm going to be a roadblock for the rest of the game. He's still useful, even when he's doing that role for your army of just being a a, a, a free courage te- a free courage test at a, a roadblock. And a, yeah, a movable terrain piece. Like we talk about that a lot with monsters and stuff, but he really is <laughs> a movable terrain piece. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's pretty awesome. It's interesting that um, Jeremy and Kyle, you both immediately went, "Yeah, Goldberry, just get rid of it. You don't want it." Is it just something you just would never use? You have to still... No, no, not necessarily never. But my concern of this one is that you're actually playing an almost standard game as well because you've got enough models that the enemy can come at you and engage everything. So you still need some numbers. You still need to play, I guess, a more traditional game rather than something like the Ents or whatever where you're playing a a really different game. So the way it's got set up, like, you are going to have turns where everyone's in combat and Aragorn can't do everything. So... The problem with Goldberry and Tom Bombadil is it becomes very passive. Like, you're not killing things. This army needs to kill things either through its shooting, and the Noldorians and, and Kylie's idea of the Dunedain are really good at that, or combat with Aragorn and my idea of Glorfindel are really good, as, as well as Arwen is a cheeky um, spellcast that can do some damage as well. So you have to actually almost play a traditional game where you're, you're whittling down numbers, you're taking on key targets, and you're really focusing on the objectives almost from straight away. So you're using your your Noldori and Exiles or your Dunedain or whatever to make sure you've got those backfield objectives or you've, you're going for the leader kill or whatever. It, it's a much more, I guess, almost tournament-friendly game in that this army can play on smaller number of turns rather than those, like, let's go for 12 to 15 turns. This one could play on a small amount of turns, but Goldberry doesn't necessarily add a whole lot to that. It's basically doubling Bombadil, so you get another roadblock. But The only time the I would really, yeah. Right. Yeah, the only time I would really consider, you know, throwing in Goldberry into an army is is maybe like an Arnor army or something like that, where you can get the use out of the the, the double the, the double refreshing song turn and really use the the roadblock that they both provide. But aside from that, I 
I honestly think Goldberry is a bit of a much of a muchness in the game. And her, her position isn't very solidified because there are very few ways you can get like multiple advantages out of both of them simultaneously. And you have to be using a very a particular army that can leverage the, the shooting and the extra resources. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't, I can't really think of an army in which you would really want to have both Tom Bombadil and Goldberry, uh, Goldberry in, a, in a kind of, in a more, thinking in a more competitive, less thematic way. Because, like you say, it's doubling up resources. She's only got 10 will as well, so she's not as good as Bombadil either. So, it, yeah, I, I kind of wanted to, throw, I wanted almost to use this model in a, <laughs> in a, in a, in a tournament sense. So it'd be quite nice to actually be able to put, uh, put them on the table. But I totally agree, um, having Glorfindel with the, uh, you know, with the armor and everything, would probably be a hell of a lot better. Um, and then you've got, I think, so if if uh, Glorfindel's a hundred points extra, I think from Arwen. So yeah, roundabouts. Uh, yeah. yeah. So then you've got what uh, forty points to spend on giving some extra, getting some extra Nolderins in there with a few more uh, daggers and stuff. So yeah, yeah, I can I can I can see the, the advantage. You do lose the nature's wrath though, but I mean, yeah, Glorfindel kicks ass. So. Uh- I think that's kind of my main big point too. Is the nature's wrath is such a def- aside from how offensive it is now with with, the, with it being brewed in instead of wrath, it's such mm-hmm. a great defensive tool for such a small army because if you get start to get really haggard and surrounded, you can drop a wrath and then run out the next turn. You, you know, using your free might that you get from him and really kind of push uh, push back in that regard. If you're wondering for an army that I think would be really good with Goldberry, I think um, Arven, Dewey, and Melbeth, an army kind of really focused around that that heavy armored Gondor kind of, uh, sorry, Arnold kind of block, because Bombadil solves the, the courage problem that the, the list has, and the ability to roadblock with an army that is extraordinarily difficult to kill with the 5-plus save can be useful. Ooh, yeah, that would work really well. I like that idea. Mm-hmm. I actually nice. think this army can work as is. I don't, I don't mind it, but y- you are relying very heavily on getting the the, the nature's wrath off, and yeah. the goldberry is yeah, it does does defend an area as well because you don't have to charge with Tom Bombadil or goldberry, so you can just like take up ground there and, and use them to yeah. hold it off. Mm-hmm. But my concern is, I think that turns it into a much longer game army. Yeah. So yeah, really yeah, that's it. true. Because I was because I was thinking the you could channel that nature's wrath um, and then you get in the strength. I knew it was only strength too, but channeling that wrath would be because um, uh, you get nature's wrath. She has wrath. Uh, sorry, yeah. uh, sorry, wrath of the Bruin. And, yeah. So oh, so what's the, do you that? What is well, you the get channel? Str- on that? You get strength three. Yeah, you get a strength three hit for that. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So right? Um, yeah. so cha- yeah. channeling that, and then you get um, uh, yeah. So that feels a lot more offensive than defensive, and because you're getting the three point of might back from Bombadil uh, or, or Goldberry, it felt like you could do a few of those and, and actually be do quite a lot of damage yeah. in the end. Uh, imagine, imagine a, a Wrath of Broden channeled against uh, a Wood Elf army with no heroes to be able to resist it. Yeah, That'd exactly. Be It'd be horrendous, wouldn't it? Classic Perfect Storm, yep. <laughs> be, <laughs> I, I wish every game was like that. <laughs> even, against the, even against the Defense 5, like Orc Horde or Rohan, that would... That would decimate them, especially if you throw a uh, good old Gildor in there for a cheeky march to, to slingshot Arwen 15 inches forward. You can do some, yeah. oh no, 17 inches forward because she's on Athos. 
Yeah, I no could do some. I could I, do some fun. Stuff. I got to admit, when Jeremy first said, "Yeah, let's trade her for um for Glorf," I, I was like, "Oh yes, brilliant! That, that's actually a really good idea." And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, "No, I think the I think the Bruinen's really important, like very mm. very important in the list." Actually, mm. you know what? You know what? You know what? You know what? Don't say Elrond. We 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 have we have a um we have a eight hundred point tournament coming up, Masters. <laughs> I'm gonna take this to Masters. May, may or yeah. may not be Sydney. I, this, yeah, no, exactly uh, actually, this. <laughs> not, not exactly this. I'm going to knock Goldberry out and, you know, fiddle okay. around and tinker a little bit. But I am, for the most part, taking Bombadil, Gildor, Gildor Arwen, the Hobbits, and Aragorn. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm going to take it. Oh, brilliant. Because that gives me we'll a hold you to, that. to edit now. Because <laughs> 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 I'm not going to release it before it. Oh, I'm going to do it. You'll love it. I, I wanna, I, I'm really... This looks like the kind of army that I would like to play. It's got some tricks. It's difficult to use, but it seems like it's gonna. You're gonna have a lot of fun with it. Oh, when when I yeah. first saw this, I thought I don't know what to do with this, and I immediately thought Kyle is gonna love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of the thing, though. Is it's got so many options available to it. There are so many ways you can use the army and army, and I think that's kind of a real really kind of nice charm about it is there's different ways you can play. You can kind of go Bombadil constantly powering Aragorn, watch Aragorn use two points of might chopping through army an army a turn, or you can use it to empower Arwen, or you can use it as an assassination army, or you can use it as a runaway army, or you can use it as a defensive army, you know, throw Aragorn in defense every turn. Like, that's what kind of, like, is blowing me away is just how many options you have with this army in terms of play style. Oh, well, I'm glad I came up with something interesting for you. <laughs> this is my yeah, favorite. This is my, like hands down yeah. my favorite. List. I, I don't oh, think I've good. ever seen anything like it before. So really cool. Yeah. Awesome list. Well, there we go. So I guess that's that. And that is, that was the last one. That was that the was last the of last all the lists. So, so Harry, uh, after hearing all that, have, have we ruined anything? Have you ruined the theme for you? What do you think? <laughs> no, you know what? It, it's great because I, why I, I really like the idea of doing this because um, people sometimes don't take thematic armies, but just because they think, oh man, I'm never going to win with the Nine Ring Rays, or I'm never going to win a game with the Fellowship, or, or whatever it is. Um, but I, I love the fact that we can have a chew, uh, chew over the fat over this and go, you know what, actually there are some strategies you can employ. And, and although obviously you're not going to, um, you know, if you're taking a thematic army, you, you're probably not going to expect to win every game. Hopefully, um, this will encourage a few people out there listening who might think, you know what, actually, that that army is not only is it um, is it really thematic, it looks really cool, and you know it it really sells the the middle of strategy battle game generally as a as, as the, the game to play. I, I, you might actually win some stuff with it. So I really hope it encourages people to take some of these thematic armies um, because they know there's maybe there's a few strategies that you can use to make them those defeats a little less um a little less hard to bear <laughs> no 100 percent, brilliant yeah. thank you thank you so much for coming on harry and uh for well thanks for letting me on again yeah oh, well anytime oh, any anytime oh wow that's very kind of you all right brilliant hey, 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 hey. you know how hard it is to organize the time zones not anytime <laughs> yeah that, that is true <laughs> yeah. yeah i nearly missed this one <laughs> all right brilliant <laughs> Okay, yeah, uh, that's because you're turning into an old man. Yeah, I am. Matt, I'm going to bed at like to bed seven o'clock. No, no, not even ten. Oof. 
well early. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening in. Thank you guys for joining me. Harry, I'm sure we'll hear again from you soon. Everybody check out Thank the Entmoot podcast. Is that right? Entmoot? Yes, there'll be another one next. Well, uh, it depends when this episode comes out, but another one next week. Yeah, yeah we won't date it. <laughs> well, <laughs> there will be many more episodes of Entmoot. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And remember, traps win games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon Podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly, pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on thegreendragonpodcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end. Or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.